0: Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, well, welcome again, everyone, and welcome to everyone who is perhaps listening online. My name is Jason, uh, and I'm the pastor here. And it's really lovely today we get to pick up again the series that we were doing last year out of the Gospel of Mark. And so that might seem a very long time ago uh, that we were in the Gospel of Mark, uh, but we launch back into that series today. And so, just to say, as a church, Our mission, uh, if you haven't read this or you've wondered why do we have these pictures up around the the church, what do they mean? Well, the mission of the church stands behind these words and pictures. And and our desire is to be a church energized by the love and power of God. I hope that sounds good to you, that that's our desire, to be a church energized by the love and power of God growing as followers of Jesus, and then sharing his hope with our community and our city and our world. That is the mission of the church. And so one of the most significant things that we can give time and attention to are to the teachings, the very teachings of Jesus. As our whole passion and goal is to love and learn to love Jesus more, to learn to live more like Jesus did. And that is complete and holistic. It's to learn to live more like Jesus did morally, to live more like Jesus did in ministry and the ministry of the kingdom, and to follow his example. That's our goal, to be filled with the power of God so that we can follow Jesus and his example. And the gospel of Mark is such a wonderful launch pad to be able to do that. And just to remind us, perhaps uh, if you missed some of the beginning of the series that we did last year, the gospel of Mark begins like this in verse one. It says the beginning of the good news about Jesus. So what we read about Jesus and his teaching and the things he says, it's all meant to be good news for us. As it shapes us and inspires us and leads us into the life that God intends, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and it is um, arguably—it well, has been said that Jesus is arguably the most famous person in all of history which I think is amazing when you think about the accomplishments that he, that he has to sort of put on his CV and how different they would be to perhaps famous people today. He, he never owned a property. He never owned a company or a business. Never launched anyone into space. Never wrote a book. Um, his life was spent, the majority of his life, working as a carpenter in a little village called Nazareth. And yet, over 2 billion people today claim to follow him and his teaching. That's about a third of the whole world's population. No other person in all of history has been as prominent in art or literature. Time magazine calls him the most influential person who ever lived. And so I think it's just incredible. That we get to, through the gospel of Mark, who was a companion of Peter, the apostle, who, who lived with Jesus and saw firsthand everything that Jesus did. His, his words and his miracles. A- and through Mark and his association with Peter, we essentially get this first-hand account of what Jesus said and did. Not just the the words of a carpenter as we celebrated over Christmas, the words of the very word of God himself, the Messiah, the son of God, God made flesh. We get to engage with God's words to us as we look at the gospel of Mark. And I want to say, if you're like me, sometimes the words of Jesus can be stinging. But they are the true words of life that have the power to transform us and change us from one degree of glory to the next. And so I want to pray for us as we as we engage again with with the words of Jesus, that God would grab our hearts and transform our minds, that we would know him better and walk more closely with him. Can you pray that prayer? Can you sort of open your hearts to that? Okay, maybe close your eyes. If you want to open your hands to the Lord or, or kneel or raise them up or however it is that you just want to put your body in a posture to receive the ministry of the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Lord, I, I pray as we, as we come to your word now, your very word, the words of Jesus, that, Lord, you would grip our hearts that you would transform our minds, that it would be like the seeds of heaven are planted into us and that the culture of heaven begins to become the culture of our lives. The culture of your kingdom begins to become the culture of this church and our community and our family. Lord, shape us as we need to be shaped and encourage us and inspire us. God, we want to be different when we walk out of the room today. Because we've met, not with with Jason or with other leaders or other wonderful and amazing people. But because we've met with the living God. And he has spoken to our hearts. And he's transformed our perspective. And just as Sarah did with this wonderful illustration. The arrow, the direction of our thinking has been turned around. Because we've connected and engaged with you. Thank you, Jesus. Will we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you, you want to get them out or tablets, or you're going to take notes, uh, we are in Mark chapter 7. Uh, We got to the end of Mark chapter 6, and so we are now into Mark chapter 7 and from verse 1, and I'll, I'll read it out of the NIV. It says this, The Pharisees, And some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw that some of his disciples were eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And and just to say, as as Sarah pointed out, this this doesn't mean that the disciples didn't wash their hands for the sake of cleanliness, okay? But it means that they didn't wash their hands ceremonially as they were ha- in, as they would have been instructed to do by the elders, and this was significant for them because they were sitting under the teacher. A, of, uh, they were sitting under this religious teacher, this rabbi, Jesus. And so there was a higher expectation on them now to fulfill the law and the tradition of the elders. Verse 4. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And through the rest of the passage, we're going to see that Jesus is now going to contrast for us human tradition that often stands against the laws of God with God's commands. And so I want you to see how how Jesus is going to play these two off one another. Human traditions and God's commands and God's laws. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules you have let go of the commands of god and are holding on to human traditions and he continued you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of god the orders the charges the precepts of god and instead you are you are observing now your own traditions the greek word there this paradosis your these things that have been Passed down and handed to you from one generation to the next. Verse 10. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, so that, is a, that was a religious legal term. And if you said that word over your property, it instantly became the property of the temple. And there was nothing that you could do to undo it. Once you'd spoken it, it was set. If you say that what you have is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And you do many things like that. It's a really important lesson for us. Because if we desire true intimacy with God... I, I believe that you are here because you want to walk with God and want to have a relationship with Him and want to live connected to God, to walk in close communion with Him, then it's really important for us to begin to learn to distinguish between what the Bible calls human tradition and God's commands. Because we will see that the one takes us away from intimacy with God and the other draws us into deeper fellowship. Now, that's not to say that all traditions are bad. Many traditions are really good. And if you go to other passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, I praise you, Paul says, for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions that I passed on to you. Same Greek word as we just read in the Gospel of Mark. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings or traditions. Again, it's the same word that we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. And so there's, there's something more to this than to be able to understand. What are good traditions and what are unhelpful traditions? What are the kinds of traditions that Jesus, if he was among us, would be challenging. See, often I found that discussions around traditions in the church they revolve around generations. And it's the young people who are upset about the traditions of the older people, and the older people who are upset about the traditions of the younger people because young people can be as traditional as older people. They just have different traditions. And you might know this if you are more mature in life. And you maybe would look back on the things that your parents did and think, gosh, that was different to the way we do it now. And your traditions um, are different. And so it's actually not about are they old or are they new? It's about are they helpful in connecting us to God and God's ways or do they disconnect us in some way? from God's commandments? Do they excuse us from walking in other commandments that we receive from God in his word? Does this pattern of living and this pattern of doing things, does it help me to remain faithful to the word of God? Does it help me to maintain intimacy with God or does it undermine in some way? Does it? And have my traditions and my ways of doing things, have they become more precious to me than God himself and God's laws and God's ways? And And the truth is, we can all be traditionalists. We can all be traditionalists. And we all have to watch that we don't become a bit like these Pharisees and scribes when it comes to the way we do things. Because when our human traditions... Justify us not observing the commands of God, traditions become very dangerous. And so Jesus challenges the Pharisees and the scribes, and he says, You have institutionalized these religious cleansing practices that go far beyond what the Old Testament had mandated for you. And your critical heart is a sign of how far you have you have moved and how much you have lost sight of the real heart of God's commands. Jesus goes on to say, you've also created teachings and laws that actually prevent or allow a way for children to get out of their duty to look after their parents, making it impossible for the children, even if they have a change of heart. Because if they'd spoken this word Corbin, perhaps rashly, And then come to their senses and realize, actually, I need to look after my mom or my dad. And now I don't have the resources to do it. The scribes and the Pharisees would not allow them to use their property to care for their parents because it had already been dedicated to God according to their laws. And this is part of the reason that man-made religious tradition can become so spiritually dangerous. Because it gives us a spiritual justification for not following the words of God. Which gives us a religious reason to disobey what God has commanded in other parts of the Bible. As we now think that our religious practice is justified and right. When actually it's causing a separation between us and God. And excusing in our minds our sin before him. And so human traditions have the potential to create. And this is what is so dangerous. They have the potential to create what looks like a godly lifestyle. What looks like a godly environment. What looks like a godly church. What looks like a godly and helpful set of guidelines and rules. (coughs) But actually people aren't experiencing God. And they're not connected to God. They're connected to our religion that we have created. So I, I want to do a little science experiment with you too. okay? Because I haven't done something with jars and glasses of water for a while. So I thought I don't want people to be missing out. And uh, here we go. This is my attempt to, to be creative like Sarah. Um, and so what I've got here is some syrup. When I did the practice for this, Jonathan was saying, no, Dad, what are you doing? you wasting all of that wonderful syrup. Okay, But we're going to let the syrup represent God and God's laws and God's ways because it's heavy. And glory is often associated with what's heavy. That's why in the Old Testament they use gold as a symbol of glory, because it's weighty and it's valuable and it's bright. And it's meant to symbolize and reflect something of the glory of God. And it's sweet because God's ways are actually good and best for us. Okay, so I'm going to waste the syrup here into this glass. Right. So this represents God and God's ways and God's laws. Now I've got the oil. That's meant to represent us filled with the Holy Spirit. It's olive oil. Okay. To, to you know, be, be biblical. Um, and so I'm going to pour this in. Okay. Here we go. Just glug it in. And you may be able to see they're quite similar in color. But they haven't mixed. We don't become God. But we are connected with him. 1 Corinthians 6, it says, If you've made Jesus your Lord, you are one spirit with God. You have been grafted into the vine. You are connected. There is intimacy. There is communion. There is closeness. Can you see that? Everyone see how connected they are? Now, in here, I've got some water that I've just colored so that you can see it. Okay? And this represents human tradition that takes us away From the words and life of God. And as I inject, if you like, the human tradition into the system, hopefully this works. What you will begin to see happens is it forms a separation. Now the oil, us, has become separated from God and his ways. But if you look from the top, you can't see it. You can do that afterwards if you'd like to come you can't notice that the separation has taken place because you connected with something that's spiritual and religious and it looks godly. But when you hold it up to the perspective of the Bible, you recognize there's been a separation and there's become a distance. And this is what we need to. Did that help? I'm glad that worked. That's great. OK. Um, that's a relief. Um, There are many warnings in the Bible about human traditions. Colossians chapter 2 is one where we get some of the strongest warnings about this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Verse 22, these rules are. Which have to do with things which are destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. He says, in the church, there's these ideas that have come in and these teachings that have come in and these ways of doing life that have come in. And Paul looks and he says, you didn't get that from God. It, it looks godly, it looks religious, it looks wise, but it separated you from him. And it's created for you a justification to let go of the things that God would want you to walk with. Come back to Mark 7. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You have a fine way, Jason, of setting aside God's commands in order to observe your own traditions. Do you read the Bible like that and put your name in? <laughs> it's really helpful to keep your heart on the hook with God. And so I've been asking God, where where, where are Jason's traditions? keeping me, keeping us from God's ways and connecting with God. I want to encourage you to do the same. Ask yourself, Lord, help me to step to the side with your word and your spirit that I can recognize and see where I've become separate from you. Where have I embraced my ways so powerfully And maybe even without record, I was thinking about, it's like a car. You drive in a car. You know how dangerous it is to have someone on the road that never checks their blind spot, okay? No admissions needed in the the hall. But if you drive and you look out the front and you look in your mirrors, you're seeing a lot, but you're not seeing everything. There are times when you turn and you do something. You need to turn and look and check that blind spot that you otherwise would not see. And there are times in our journey with God that we need to check our blind spots, that we haven't accepted something that's actually harmful for us. So I thought I try and list some things that hopefully offend everybody equally. <laughs> okay. So if I miss you out, I'm sorry. I've I've tried to I've tried to look at something that touches everybody. Um, so just so that we can begin to engage with this. Otherwise, it becomes hypothetical. We think, oh, well, uh, th- praise be to the Lord that I come in and I always wash my hands as I should. And, and I'm looking after my parents and we miss actually engaging with this. Okay? So, so here are some things that our, our traditions could lead us in, in the wrong way in. One might be that we treat Sunday as more sacred than other days. And there's significance to meeting together. And this is the thing, we were talking about this, that, that often there are kernels of truth that get that get twisted. And then we miss what is actually the full counsel of God. Because if we value Sunday over everything else, the temptation then is to think that the other six days of the week are less important to God. We can do what we want, Monday to Saturday, you know, provided we look our best on Sunday you know, read the Bible on Sunday morning before coming to church. And, and, and we miss that God's calling us to a life of worship. Or uh, we give responsibility that Jesus gives to all of his disciples, to a few people, in the way that we do things. In the church, in Connect Group, in, in our thinking. So the Bible teaches that all Christians have a responsibility to go and make disciples, the, the Bible teaches that we're all called to share our faith and the gospel with others. The Bible teaches that we're to all eagerly desire the spiritual gifts and especially to prophesy. The Bible calls us to care for people, all of us, to love people, to help people on their spiritual journeys. The Bible calls all of us to be knowing the word of God that we can explain it to others. But sometimes our practice and our tradition. And the way we do things can lead people to think, well, mission is only for missionaries, not, not for all Christians. Or evangelism is for the evangelists and people who are really good with people, not, not for all God's people. Or prophecy is for the prophets and the spiritually elite, the, sort of s- the, the spiritual ones, not the ordinary children of God. Or pastoral care is for people who like people, and I'm not someone that likes people, so I can kind of let someone else do that. Or teaching is for the professionals. You know, we leave that to Jason, you know, we leave that to Jason and, and to some others, you know, but it's not for us, though we have the Spirit. And obviously there is a role and there is a place for gifting, but we need to be careful that we don't in our practice, shift responsibility that Jesus gives to us, and we actually find the way that we do things creates an excuse for us to be disobedient to God. Okay, is everyone starting to be tweaked? Everyone's buttons, okay, just trying to make sure everyone's in. Okay, human traditions, this can also impact the way we value the way something's been done. This was only really a good and godly time if it happened like this. Here we all have these. So the prayer meeting was only really a godly good prayer meeting if there was a circle of chairs. Everyone was in them. Okay? Or the prayer meeting was only really a good and godly prayer meeting if there were no chairs and everyone was walking around. Or the worship time was only really a great worship time if everyone was dancing and waving flags. Or the worship time was only a good time if everyone was very still and very calm or the sermon oh this is dangerous for me to say is only a good one if it's under 30 minutes or the sermon is only a good one if it's over an hour and i've been i've been challenged about both you might not believe it or the connect group includes a meal that makes it great or the connect group I, I, i'm thinking absolutely sounds like a good idea you know or at least pudding um, or the Connect Group doesn't have any food because we have got it jam-packed full of something else. Or the communion service is only really special when it's very formal and structured. Or the communion service is only really very special when it's set up like a family-focused meal. Okay, has everyone's buttons been pushed again? All right, so, and, and this is just to help us to see we're actually all traditionalists. We all have the ways that we like it to be done. And we need to be careful that we don't institutionalize our way and allow our way to be an excuse to not be obedient to what God says. And this is why it's so important to be reading the whole of the Bible. And, and I find it, it's so helpful for me as, a, as I journey through the Bible. And it's one of the reasons we teach through whole books of the Bible. It sort of is a safeguard. It means we cover everything. We cover the, the, the great encouraging bits and we cover the stinging bits like this morning. And, and it gives us the opportunity to come to the side and step with God and allow him to evaluate our lives. And often I find, as I read through the Bible, it's the passage I get to, and I think, I don't like that one. Do you have a catalog of passages where, you know, you believe it, and you know it's right, and you know you should go with it, but you don't like it? (laughs) And that's a sign, often, that the Word of God is challenging our tradition and challenging our human religion. And it's the opportunity for us to say, okay, God what in me is skewed? What in me do you need to shift? What in my thinking am I missing? Because remember the first verse of Mark, this is the good news about Jesus. And if his teaching doesn't sound like good news to us, it's a sign that something in us is still broken. And if there's something in the word of God that doesn't sound like good news to us. It's a sign that we're still missing a piece. There's more for us to discover. There's more for us to do internally. That make sense? Okay. So I want to I pray for us. And, and perhaps you can join in this prayer to, to say, Father, help me understand. You know, David prays this prayer. He prays a He prays a check my blind spot prayer. When he prays, Lord, search me and know my heart. And show me, is there anything in me that I'm not seeing that's actually offensive to you? It's a really great prayer to pray. It takes some courage, (laughs) but it's a really great prayer to pray. Father, show me, where am I disconnected from you? Where have I prioritized my ways over your ways? Where have I institutionalized my traditions? And this is maybe where it comes back and what Sarah was looking at and what was coming out earlier, that I am now judging others and criticizing others for things that I shouldn't be because you haven't institutionalized this. This is my stuff. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.